um, for theology and for our Christian walk. And the thing is, is that Christians often get it out of order. Um, a couple quotes here with Watchman Nee. Um, he says this. He says, Christianity doesn't begin with walking. It begins with sitting. He says this also. He says, Christianity doesn't begin with the big do. It begins with the big done. Don't, don't you like that? Um, it doesn't begin with a big do. It begins with a big done. I remember when... Uh, when I was little, I was learning how to ride a bike, and I was getting, you know, okay at it, um, BMX bike, and we, um, we lived, we, we were even, that wasn't tongues, that was just rewinding back, taking that, taking that back. Uh, so we, we lived in Chandler, Arizona, and, uh, and pretty close to a BMX bike track, and so at night, um, during the summer times and stuff, we could hear like the announcers on the loudspeakers, and we could hear, you know, you know, who won and all that. It was just kind of interesting, but it kind of, my friends and I in the street, we lived in a cul-de-sac, and we, we would all like get our BMX bikes out and want to be like the BMX bikers at the track, you know, and um, and so I would, you know, I learned how to, you know, to ride my bike and, and all this stuff. But I, I remember um, just in me thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I could do some tricks like some of these, you know, other guys? And so one of my friends, he was a little bit more accomplished than I. And, uh, and so he says, hey, have you ever done a long skid? A long skid? I mean, I, I, you're not talking about like in your underwear. You're talking about... Oh, is that inappropriate? I mean, if, if, if Lynn's allowed to say crap from the microphone, <laughs> I figure, I figure we can, all right. But no, a long skid, that was, it was where you, you get going real fast on your bike, and then, and then you brake, and your back tire goes, goes out like this, and it, it makes a skid mark on the, on the pavement or, or the blacktop in our, in our cul-de-sac. So we were, um, the idea was who could have the longest skid, right? I know now everybody can't think of skid in the same way. I apologize. And, and so here, here was my, now my bike, um, I, I'd had it for a little while, and those rubber, rubber, rubber handles, they had been pushed in um, quite a ways. They, 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 were, they were broke, and so they were pushed in, and the, the metal um, part was hanging out. And, um, and so what happened was I went to do my long skid, and somehow, uh, you know, everything went out from underneath me, and I crashed, and that metal handlebar went, like, right into my chest, and I had to go to the emergency room and everything, and, and I realized, you know, before I learned how to do the tricks, I probably need to learn how to ride the bike, you know, and I just thought I'd bring that all back to Ephesians. Before we learn how to, like, stand, before we learn how to, how to walk, we need to learn how to sit. So you guys want to learn how to sit with me? All right, sounds good. Um, Acts chapter 19 is, uh, um, Paul is in Ephesus. In fact, um, we'll, we'll find out later, he was in Ephesus for three years as more than just an apostolic missionary, he was an apostolic pastor um, at this church in Ephesus. And, and so he was there, and while he's in Ephesus, there's a lot of incredible things that can happen. So if you read Acts 19, you're gonna, you'll see just a, a glimpse of Paul in Ephesus, and you may want to even... Um, look at that in your connect groups this week. You might be able to go a little bit deeper and farther because I've only got about an hour and a half left here. And so if you're, um, you guys may want to go a little bit deeper this week. So, but Acts 19, um, when he's in Ephesus, there were, there were many miracles happening, happening. In fact, they were, they were unusual miracles. 
There were just, in fact, it actually says that, that there were unusual miracles that were happening through Paul. In fact, um, to the degree that, um, that Paul would pray over and bless handkerchiefs, like snot rags, and um, it was probably like his, like his Nike swoosh, like sweatband, right? <laughs> you like that. And he would, probably, he would like take off his, his like sweaty sweatband, bless it, and then pass it along. And that, um, the, those handkerchiefs would actually go to people um, throughout the, the city of Ephesus and the, and the region, um, all throughout Asia Minor. And, uh, and this is modern-day Turkey right now. And so, the, so what would happen, because Paul couldn't get to everybody, partly, partly because of location, partly because uh, of time, partly because he was a tent maker. And so he had, to, he, he had his day job, and then he would do his revival services at night, right? And, and so, he, so he was doing all this. Well, the handkerchiefs would get to people, and people would get healed by just touching handkerchiefs. Um, people would get, have miracles happen just by touching the handkerchiefs. And uh, in fact, the Bible even says that demons would be cast out when they touched the handkerchiefs. Anybody think that that's awesome? Anybody think that's weird? <laughs> Anybody want a handkerchief before you leave the service today? We're selling them for uh, <laughs> four easy payments of... <laughs> hmm. You know, if, we, if you start laughing early on in my message, then it's going to be good, right? <laughs> so, he, so he would do these things, and, and people would get healed and all that stuff. And Well, right along in there, um, there were, in fact, Ephesus was, uh, was a town where it was known for, um, like, dark magic, the black arts. It was known for all of those types of things. And, and so it wasn't too weird for them to get a handkerchief. They're like, oh, that's cool. You know, and, and, and things are happening. In fact, um, people in that town um, were, would want to do and, and mimic and, uh, exa- what Paul was doing. And, I mean, that was, that was pretty sweet. You know, Paul cast out a demon. I want to cast out a demon. Paul healed somebody. I want to heal somebody. And there were these people called the, the seven sons of Sceva. Who, he, was a, he was a Jewish high priest. And so even the religious leaders were like, i got to get some of this. And so they, um, these, the, the sons, the seven sons of this Jewish leader, they, they wanted to do the exact same thing Paul was doing. In fact, they were going around trying to do this. In fact, but what they did was they came to like this one guy who was demon-possessed. And we're not just talking like afflicted. We're talking like possessed, like, uh, like the movies, exactly like the movies, right? And so he, this guy had, had the demons inside him. And the seven sons of Sceva, they, they, they would do it like this. Um, in the name of of the Jesus that Paul talks about, um, be gone, you know? The, you know, the, the whole town was used to abracadabra. I mean, they were all, I mean, and that's what this, so they're like, yeah, well, this isn't, I, I didn't read this in my, in my book. Let me, you know, all right, you know, let's, let's try this new thing out. And so they did that. They, in the name of the Jesus that Paul talks about, um, you know, be gone. Well, the demons talk back. <laughs> Imagine that. And, and they're like, well, Jesus, we know. <laughs> right? And Paul, we've heard about. But who are you? And so, and so these guys, they're, I imagine that they're just frozen in fear right there. Like, I didn't know they talked back. And then the craziest thing happens. Maybe you've read it in Acts 19. Then the demons actually, like, beat these, uh, the, this, these seven sons up. So bad that they, they ran, the Bible says they ran away beaten and naked. Yeah, they had to have like those like sensor boxes and stuff. 
Like, this is crazy. I mean, this is, I mean, this is what we preach about in church, right? And, and so it, it's another example of they were trying to stand before they sat. It's just this whole concept of you got to learn how to sit. Man, when I think about sitting, I mean, it's like it's a relaxed position. It's a laid back position, you know, um, right? Does that make sense? You guys are all sitting. I'm the one that has to stand up this whole time. You, you, you relax. You get to have the comfy chairs. Good thing we don't have those metal folding chairs, right? Like, like at the sunrise service. And, you know, and, and it's, it's just relaxed. And this is the position in Christ that God wants us to be in. It's from this position that everything flows from. And so, yeah, he wants to do the stuff, right? The whiz-bang God candy, like I like to say, right? He likes to do all the, the, the firework stuff. He likes to do the, you know, the cast out demons, the deliverance stuff. He likes to do all that. He, and, and even, let, maybe some of you, that's a little weird. Maybe you're not into, like, the, the, you know, the crazy stuff. Maybe you just want to learn to walk out your Christian life, right? Maybe you just want to, you know, could I just have some advice on how to, like, live right you know, I keep sinning and I want to sin less and all this stuff. And, and, and God's like, first thought to you in the book of Ephesians is, hey, let's teach you how to sit. Because everything flows from sitting. Everything flows from that place. It's, it's like you don't, you don't live towards victory. You live what? From and this is, the, this is like the, the foundation of the whole deal. This is why the book of Ephesians is just is, is everything that we need to have as a believer. It's like, hey, guess what? Like, you don't live from victory or, or, or towards victory. You live from victory. You don't live towards healing. You live from healing. What? It's already mine. You, you don't live, you know, towards like, a, you know, a, a, a healthy marriage. You live from it because it's already in. It's like, oh, I've got this. It's, I don't have to, like, strive. I don't have to, like, work harder. And then, you know, I, there was a, you know, a friend of mine that used to go to this church, and, and they said to me, um, they said, you, you know, it was easy to, to get saved, but it's been hard to stay saved. Anybody ever feel like that? It's like, it's like saved by grace, it was a free gift, and now i got to work for it. And, and, and this is where... Paul's like, hey, let's, let's just start the whole thing off by relax a little bit. Let's just start the whole thing off about, let's just work on the relationship aspect. Let's work on, okay, guess what? You're in him. In fact, the, today's, the, the sermon title is in him. Don't, you don't have to switch there yet, but, but the sermon title is in him. It's all about, what if we could learn what we have in him in a seated, maybe I'll just like preach from here. You know, maybe I'll just pull this back and <laughs> in him. You know, like, uh, like the book of Romans, if you've ever read the book of Romans, that was a book that, that Paul wrote. Ephesians was not written so much to address problems in a particular church, but rather it was written to explain some of the great themes and doctrines of Christianity. If, uh, if the letter to the Romans focuses more on God's work in the individual Christian, Ephesians includes the great themes of God's work in the church and the community of believers. You've got to understand this because um, it, while you can take the book of Ephesians and apply it to you personally, it was written to a group of people. It was written to, to a, a church. It was written to many churches. It was meant to be read as if this was, these were truths for all of us as a corporate body where you can apply it individually. It was designed to be, hey, we're all in this together. We're all in this together as a family. Um, it's also 
good to know as we read all of these themes in Ephesians that Paul was writing, it, uh, writing this from prison. He's actually in prison in Rome, and uh, he wrote, uh, I think he also wrote the book of Colossians in the same time frame in, in Rome in that prison. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it's, a, it's such a significant book. I mean, we've probably quoted it. Remember, we just got through that Limitless series. I mean, I guarantee you I quoted Ephesians in that series. It's like almost every time we preach, something from Ephesians pops up. And so I thought, man, maybe we should, like, like study the book. Maybe we should figure this thing out. Paul wrote this in another one of his letters, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. But as it is written, I has not seen, no ear, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And Ephesians is the fulfillment of this. It, it reveals the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's what Ephesians is all, all about. And uh, uh, man, there's, there's so much more like to set this thing up. I'm probably going to have to like do a part two setup next week. Does that sound good to you? We'll just keep going with it next week. Um, and so uh, Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to start. Does that sound good to you? Verse 1. Um, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And can I pause just totally, totally um, not relevant to this. Uh, my iPad has food all over it. <laughs> and uh, you could probably guess who did that, right? My wife. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Just joking. No, I mean, I, so I'm, I'm, I just need, I need Kaylee to give this back to me clean and ready to go to preach. So it was cute. My, my wife told me about Kaylee this morning that she, uh, um, she was in worship. Well, oh, no, it was before worship. When she woke up this morning, she said, she said, is the, is the, is the sun up yet? Whatever. And, and Becky's like, no, it's, it's raining. And she's like, oh, she's like, well, that's good because, because Jim needs the rain. And, uh, and uh, Jim, Jim's one of our elders, and she's like, she's like, he needs the rain for his plants to grow. <laughs> That's for you, Jim. So cool. All right, back to the Bible. Back to the Bible. What were we thinking? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our God uh, or from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. And it's just, I just wanted to draw your, your um, attention there for a second. And in some, some of the early manuscripts um, in Ephesus was left out. And uh, some people um, feel that it wasn't specifically written to Ephesus or, or that it was written, um, more importantly, that it, it wasn't just to Ephesus, that it was to a, a circular letter, which meant that it went to a lot of the churches in Asia Minor, and, um, which would make sense because of the themes in the book of Ephesians. And the, the only thing I just want you to understand there is that um, you know, we could actually put our city in there. Well, we could just say, to the church in Kearney, I write this, grace and peace to you. And so maybe we could um, understand that as, as Spirit of Life Church or the greater church of Kearney in our area, that Paul wrote this, and really the Spirit of God through Paul, that this wasn't just to one city years and years ago, but this applies to us today. And uh, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a typical greeting of Paul. And uh, he knew the, the essential place of grace and peace 
in the life of a believer. And that you needed to have great grace, great grace in order to walk in great peace. And so he would often um, begin his letters in that way. Okay, so today, and you can now go there if you like, in him is what we're going to talk about. The main thought for today's message, and I am, I'm watching it. I know some of you guys have crockpots on and things, but we're going to be all right. You guys all right? Yeah, we're all right. Okay. And if you, if you ever just feel like, you know, it's too long, you, I mean, you, you could get up and walk out. I'm all right with that. Um, just do it quietly. Don't make noise. Okay. Those are too serious today. Main thought. Everything we could ever need or want is in him, Jesus. As believers, it's all ours for free, period. I actually like wrote period in there just in case you didn't recognize that period at the end of that. All right. The first three chapters of Ephesians show us where we should live and operate from and not towards. Um, in our main text today, you've got to understand this. I thought this was really interesting. In the original Greek, we're going to be in, in verse 3 through verse 14. And in the original Greek, it was actually written as one long sentence. From verse 3 through verse 14, it was one long run-on sentence in the original, in the original Greek. And so it's really was, uh, I know, wow. I mean, it's like you know, I, would, I would have gotten you know, marked off in school for that. And, and so there's a lot, there's really a, a central theme in this whole, these, these verses from verse 3 to verse 14 really set up the whole rest of the book. And so this is where we're going to hang out today, just, in, just um, until verse 14. And so this is what I want you to know. Number one, is that what we find out here is I'm blessed in him. I'm blessed in him. Ephesians um, chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's a, that's a pretty just powerful verse that can stand alone. You can just sit there and be like, that's awesome. That was a good, that was a good thing to write, Paul. Um, the us is significant because it includes both Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus and beyond. It includes us. That has blessed us, has blessed all of us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And, and you know, it, it's important because we can get an attitude of like, what's in it for me, right? And, and it's okay. It is about you, but it's also about us. You know, so take it personally, but also know that it's not just about you. And uh, with Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. It describes both the kind of blessings and the location of the blessings. And I like that. Maybe you could just think for a minute, like what kind of spiritual blessings are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Yes, salvation. You can't use salvation, okay? That, just because I said it, so you can't use it. What else? What kind of spiritual blessings? You, you can talk back today. Just this once, you can talk back. Joy. Spiritual, remember, remember a few weeks ago in the Limitless message, it, um, it happens first in the spirit and then in the natural. We, we, we uh, access it first there and then we pull it into the, into the present reality. What else? What, what spiritual blessings that, that we can access in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Joy, what else? Love, peace. Okay, you guys are taking the, the Galatians 5. Galatians 5 is out. You can't do Galatians 5 anymore. <laughs> Just joking. Okay, you can if you want. Forgiveness, what? Victory, revelation, freedom, uh, or, or even, the, the, even there's some of the miracle stuff, right? The miracles, the healings, the uh, emotional, spiritual, 
All the, the, I like the, the, the definition for salvation, sozo, right? Or sozo in the original Greek is to be saved, healed, and delivered. It's like it's all there. Every, anything you can think of spiritually, it's in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we have access to it. It's just incredible. I, I like this. These blessings um, are ours in the heavenly places in Christ. They are higher, better, and more secure than earthly blessings. Number two. And I'm going fast because there's six of them. You guys, mostly there's like three points, right? A good introduction and conclusion. Today there's six points, and so I'm cracking through this. Number two, I'm chosen in him. I'm chosen in him. Ephesians chapter 1, 4 through 5 says this, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good measure of his will. Um, I, I remember um, when, I was young, when I was in high school, you, uh, a few weeks ago I told you guys that I was cut from the basketball team. Anybody ever remember that story? Okay, so, so here's a positive story. So I was, that one I was cut from the basketball team. Uh, stinks. But a few years later, I was a senior in high school, and I was chosen, I was singled out, I was chosen to be uh, thespian of the year. Don't say that five times fast, but thespian, thespian of the year of my high school. That means I was like actor of the year. I was like, I was the, the best one in theater and drama and all. I was the, I was chosen. And I think about that. I just think about the feeling I had of being chosen. And I think, man, how much more? That you were chosen. I was chosen. It's this idea of being pursued by him. It, as much as we think we pursue him, right? You ever think like you're the one pursuing? As much as we think that, that we pursue him, he actually pursues us. He actually pursues us. In fact, Romans chapter 3, 10 and 11 talks about how there's, not, there's no righteous one. There's, there's no one who actually seeks after God. And in essence, it's like the, my ability to seek after him comes from him. My desire to seek after God is actually put in there by God. And anything where, where in my mind I think it's me doing this thing, it really was uh, I was activated by God to be able to seek after God. I mean, what a blessing that he, he actually put the desire for him in me. I like that, that phrase, just as he chose us in him. Our possession of every spiritual blessing is as certain as our being chosen by him. Our possession of every spiritual blessing is as certain as our being chosen by him. And he chose us before the foundation of the world. One, one commentator um, um, he, he actually says that, that the foundation of the world, it's, it's actually translated as before the, the, the fall of man. That um, you know, most, most every Bible actually says the founda- before the foundations. And he says it actually the word there is before the fall. Which is, it, do- it doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't change the meaning here. Except where it just gives a, one little extra exclamation mark on it. That before um, everything was messed up. Before the fall, before we ever did anything to deserve death, before any of the junk, he chose us. I love that. 
Hmm. I like what a guy named Francis Dutoy says in uh, the mere paraphrase out of the Greek um, Bible. It says this, God found us in Christ before he lost us in Adam. Believers are chosen by God and they're chosen before they have done anything or have been anything for God. That phrase that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Uh, listen, I, I am holy. I am righteous. I am blameless. I'm not talking like arrogantly about myself. I'm just, it's just a matter of, of fact because of the cross. Like, I can't work to attain holiness. I can't work to attain righteousness. I, I can't do one more righteous act to become more righteous, nor can I do an unrighteous act to be unrighteous. Like, like, like holiness is, it's like in the Bible when he says, be holy. You remember the places like in the Old Testament, he says, be holy as I am holy. I, this is the way I look at it, and you can, you can debate it and chew on it and decide, what, but since I'm preaching, right? I like it when he says be holy because it was like a command, but it was more, it was as if it was like in the book of Genesis when he says, let there be light or let there, you know, be water or, or you know, let there be animals and lions and tigers and bears, right? And like all of those things, it was like when just as he says, let there be, and, and there was a creative action that happened when he says, be holy, it was, it's as if he's declaring that, that creative word into us like you are holy now. He's creating holiness in us. He's creating righteousness in us. He's cre- it, 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 it's not because of any righteous thing I have done. It's only because of him. I, I love this place that in him, I am holy. I am righteous. Man, this is just, it's, I mean, this is, this is something that's just affected me even as I'm studying it this week. It's like, wow, God, just a, a fresh look at the, foundations of our faith predestined us to adoption as sons. I love what Pastor Kelly was reading this morning about being adopted and God's unfolding plan was for, for us was not, not just salvation and personal transformation, it was adoption. It, it was this warm, confident relationship with the Father. Uh, in Roman law, I wanted to read this paragraph. In Roman law, when the adoption was complete, like, a, like an adoption into someone's family, when, when the adoption was complete, it was complete indeed. The person who had been adopted had all the rights of a legitimate son in his new family and completely lost all rights in his old family. In the eyes of the law, he was a new person. So new was he that even all debts and obligations connected with his previous family were abolished as if they had never existed. And so Paul uses this language as adopted, and it was like, and they got it. They understood because they lived under Roman law that this means that any debt that I had is completely wiped out. It's huge. It's a big deal. Number three. Took a little bit longer than number two. Number three. Here we go. I'm accepted in him. Anybody ever not feel accepted? You don't have to raise your hand. Oh, I'm accepted by him. Doesn't that just like feel good? I'm accepted. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. 
but in Jesus. I'm accepted. Man, I can think of times when I felt not accepted. Maybe you remember when you were a kid or maybe even now as an adult, there's people that don't accept you for you or there's, you know, all of these different stories that pop up in our mind and it's just, oh, it's just good to know I'm accepted. I'm accepted by him. It's the relational aspect that's emphasized here as Paul describes the status of being accepted. That word accepted uh, in the original language means highly favored or full of grace. <laughs> it's not just like, like, oh, I accept you. You can be part of our group. It's like highly favored, full of grace. I'm accepted by him. Isn't that a big deal? It's a huge deal. Jesus was completely accepted by the Father, full of favor, right? And just as Jesus... All his character, all his words, all his work was acceptable to God the Father, and now we are accepted in the beloved. Number four, I am redeemed in him. I'm redeemed in him, and oh, man. I'm going to skip. I'm not going to. I was going to play a video, and I'm going to skip it. I'm going to skip it today, Carol. Maybe I'll play that. That'll be good even any time. So I'll do that another time. Ephesians chapter 1, 7 through 10 says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. And... Uh, and let me, let, me just, let me break that down a little bit because there's some things that might be a little confusing in there. Um, redemption through his blood. Um, first of all, the hymn is Jesus. And in him we have redemption. There's, there is no possible redemption outside of Jesus. There's no possible redemption um, in his redeeming blood. Re- redemption always implies, you got to hear, this is what redemption means. It always implies a price being paid for the freedom that is purchased. It always implies there. There's always a price. Redemption means buying back. It, it uses an ancient Greek work, which means to liberate on the receipt of ransom. And so he's, he's buying back with the purchase. And, and it, it's not through his, it's not, he's not buying us through his power. He's not even buying us through his love, so to speak. He's buying us through his blood. And you have to understand that because he loved us. For God so loved the world, right? He loved us. And he had great power and all this. But all of that, there had to be blood that was shed. There had to be blood. And so the ransom, the payment, we were bought with a price, and the price was his death on the cross. It was his blood. According to the riches of his grace. Don't you love that phrase? Ah, the riches of his grace. The redemption and forgiveness given to us comes according to the measure of the riches, riches of his grace. Unlimited grace. Uh, I, I love this phrase I use sometimes. It's, if we didn't earn it, then we can't unearn it. If we didn't earn it, then we can't unearn it. It, it. Grace equals unmerited favor. In other words, undeserved favor. Uh, favor. I, I never deserved it in the first place. I, I can't work for it. This, phrase, this, this next phrase in the, in the passage says this, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And you know, many think it's unwise of God to lavish such redemption and forgiveness on guilty sinners. And yet right here in the, 
text, it's, but it was in all wisdom and prudence that he gave this to us. It was in his wisdom that he gave grace to guilty sinners. It was in his wisdom. Listen, you can't preach grace too much. You can't preach grace too much. Too much grace is an oxymoron. Grace doesn't water down the gospel. It's the fullness and the mystery of the gospel. God's grace doesn't cause someone to want to sin more. It causes someone to want to sin less. A full understanding of the measure of God's grace pulls you close to him, not away from him. Grace doesn't just let you off the hook, although it does do that. It also empowers you to live this Christian life. And grace is awesome. Having been been made known to us the mystery of his will, God's great plan of salvation, which was once hidden but is now revealed to us in Jesus, and and that is for both the Jews and the Gentiles. And and, and really here, just at the end of this this little section that that we're talking about here, it's, it's all coming together. It comes together in Jesus, the Jews, the Gentiles, the fullness of time, the, uh, all of this thing. It's, it, was an, it was a then and it was a later principle. It was, it was all coming together in Jesus and it's all going to come together at the end of the age. The, the, all of this thing, this whole plan comes together in Jesus. Number five, I have an inheritance in him. Ephesians chapter one, verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I love it. I love that, that phrase. We hinted at this earlier that we're adopted as sons and daughters. We are, as believers, we're adopted as sons and daughters of God. I like what one theologian said. He said, we were born into the family of God. It was more than even just adoption. He, calls us, he says, we were born into the family of God. It was beyond adoption. And there's salvation, there's life transformation, but there's more. We become a family. And it's not just an extended family. I, uh, uh, it's this inheritance. I, um, my wife and I, we, we received a small inheritance from, uh, from a family member. It was actually like a distant aunt, great aunt. We received a small inheritance. And, um, and, and that was cool because you know, we, we were this distant family. We just totally, totally unexpected. It was like, oh, wow, cool, all right. Well, the thing was is that this aunt was never, never married, didn't have any children, and so her, the inheritance went to her nieces and nephews, and there was, like, there was a bunch of them. And so it all got spread out and everything, and then, and then, and then her, her niece was my wife's uh, mom, and, and Becky's mom passed away, and, and so that her share got split then again to, um, uh, to Becky and her sister, and, then, and so then we were able to have that. And I was just thinking, imagine if she had um, a son or a daughter, the inheritance, right? And just look at this thing of, of that, you know, it's not just that we have an inheritance. Like, we are sons and daughters of the king. And we don't just get this trickle down, you know, break off this and split this and, like, between you and me and then whatever. We get, like, the full thing, and we are co-heirs. Romans 8 says we are co-heirs with Christ. Number six, I have trusted in him. Now, this sounds... A little bit different. Let me read Ephesians 1, 12-14. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance 
until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And this is the only part in this whole deal that's like our responsibility. Like it's all in him. It's all in him. We access it all in him. It's all done. It was like, uh, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered, right? It's, it's all there. Except you have to trust in him. You have to trust, and you trust after first believing the word of truth or, or hearing the word of truth and then believing. And, and, and then this trust happens, and this trust is what accesses everything that's in him. Everything is already in him, and this trust is like that key that turns the lock, and it opens up, and you get to have it all. You get to have it all. Hmm. And then the Holy Spirit in this verse becomes the seal of promise. It's like a signet ring in wax on a letter. It, it represented, a, it was, it was, this is from the king. It, it's a seal of promise. It, the fact that as believers we have the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance. The seal denotes ownership of our inheritance, which in many ways we have access to now, but we also have a promise of the fullness of our inheritance because of that seal. It's huge. The word guarantee in the original it means down payment. It, 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 it is used only in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. He is our only down payment of coming glory. Nothing else is provided or needed. I like this. The fact that I trusted in him is what I needed to access all that was within him. However, his desire was that trust wouldn't be just a one-time thing, but an attribute that marks my life, marks your life. I'm going to end with this, with this story, and then, um, and then I'll invite Kelly up. Um, there was a, Pastor Greg, actually, he's brilliant at telling the story. I should have him come up and share it. But there's a, there was a uh, tightrope walker that, um, that was doing this tightrope walking across Niagara Falls. Maybe some of you guys have heard this. It was his, probably the late 1800s or the early 1900s. And, and he was doing this. There was a huge crowd. And they had put, the, put that tightrope across uh, Niagara Falls. And, um, and so he, he gathered the crowd, and he says, you know, I'm going to walk. And he walks across, and he comes back, and, and the crowd was kind of like, uh, you know, wasn't impressed. They were, they were waiting for him to fall, right? They wanted to see the action. And so they weren't that impressed, you know. They, oh, yeah, anybody can do that. And, uh, and so, he, uh, so he grabs a wheelbarrow, and, and he's, like, he's like, any of you think that, we, that I could put somebody in this wheelbarrow and wheel across this tightrope and back? And the crowd goes wild. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, like race cars. You, know, you, don't, you don't watch race car driving for, the, you know, who wins. You, you watch it for the crashes, right? And, and, and so, they were, so they're all, hey, this is exciting. This is great. And, and he says, well, which one of you guys will volunteer to get in? And then it was silent. And... And it's this whole deal of there is this chasm. There is this, this chasm that, that, that we could fall into and to our, to our death, to our bloody death, right? And Jesus provides this way. And many of you in this room have, have put your trust in him. And you've, you've actually gotten in the wheelbarrow. Any of you afraid of heights? <laughs> you've actually gotten in the wheelbarrow and you've let Jesus wheel you across that tightrope, and you said, it's all you. It's all you. I give you my life. I give you everything. And because you've done that, you have access to everything in him. It's yours because you've done that. And some of you in this room, you don't know if you've done that. You, you, you don't know if you were to die today, if you would if you'd go to heaven or hell. And the thing is, is like, 
the, to have all of this stuff that we're talking about, man, it's amazing. Christianity is like the best thing ever. It's so much fun. And to be able to access all of that in the book of Ephesians, and we got so much more. We just went through the first 14 verses. All that's required of you is to get in the wheelbarrow and to let Jesus <laughs> wheel you across that tightrope. Does that sound good? It's in him. Let's stand this morning, Pastor Kelly. Some of you, even as I was saying that, um, you want an opportunity to give your heart to the Lord today. And, uh, and it's really simple. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a simple thing, but it, but it costs you everything. <laughs> and, um, you know, my friend Keith is here a few rows back, and Pastor Greg's up here. And, um, and if, you've, if you've never given your heart to God, and, or, or if you, you're not sure, 